I want to tell you about a podcast you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Urtube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and it busts common myths about special education. As a parent myself of a child who's had an IEP since kindergarten and he's now a 10th grader, I know how confusing, overwhelming, frustrating, sometimes daunting the whole process can be. I checked out an episode of Understood Explains called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 Plans. And what I love about it is how easily Juliana explains everything. She answers common questions that probably every parent or caregiver has. She dispels myths and is concise and to the point. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. And there's a direct link in the show notes if you need it. We learned to lose our wildness. We learned to cut off that part of us. And that's the part that is just so incredibly heartbreaking because our wildness is what makes us feel so incredibly alive and authentic and just ourselves, like our true selves. This is your Kick-Ass Life Podcast, episode number 266. This is the Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Hey there, Ask Kickers. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am so glad you're here as always. I'm still a little, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm under the weather, but this cold morphed into this horrible cough that is really kicking my ass over here. And it's the kind of cough where you start coughing so hard and it's like, spasms and then I'm dry heaving. Is it just me that does this? But anyway, one of my clients had it too and she said that it's going around. So maybe you too have struggled with this ass kicking of a cold. I even had a fever, so I don't know if that means anything, but this cough is just really, really tough. And hence my throaty lounge singer voice. I kind of actually like it. I feel like it makes me sound, I don't know, sexy maybe. I don't know. But anyway, I am super excited for this particular podcast episode because it's a solo episode. Not that I don't like my guests. I absolutely love my guests, but I am going to be doing more of these solo podcast episodes where I just hear something or have a conversation with someone and get this idea that is sparked. And I'm like, I have got to tell my people about this. I've got to talk about this on the podcast. I sit down write a little bit about it, and then just come over here and riff for you. I get feedback from y'all that you really like them. So there will be more of these on the podcast. But first, so this particular episode is going to be 
in kind of two parts because I want to answer a question from one of our lovely members over on Patreon. And remember, Patreon is the place where you can come and support the show. Last year, I decided no more outside sponsorships and advertising and have just decided to ask y'all to support the show so I can pay the people I need to pay in order to make this as wonderful as an experience for you as possible. So if you go over to patreon.com slash Y-K-A-L, you can see the different tiers of how to sponsor the show as well as the benefits, the bonuses that you can get while doing so. One of those those benefits is that you get your questions answered from me on the show. And Erica has a really great question. And I just was like, dang, this is so important. So thank you, my dear Erica, for asking this question. And she says, how can we celebrate our small wins on our self-development journey? Could there be a podcast on different ways we can encourage ourselves to look at how far we have come instead of focusing on our shortcomings? So raise your hand if you might have a habit of doing that. Really just focusing on all the ways you're not living up to your best self, you're not enough, you're not showing up enough in your life, you're not doing all of the things that you hear about on the podcasts that you listen to or read about in self-help books that you love. And that never really feels good, right? That kind of feels shitty. And it is absolutely a practice to, you know, from what I understand, I haven't seen the research on this, but as humans, we have a negativity bias. We tend to focus on the things that aren't working. It's sort of like when you get a review at work and they tell you, you know, the things that you need to work on, you know, opportunity for improvement or whatever bullshit they call it. And they also tell you that big, long list of things that you're doing great, but you walk away from that meeting feeling like shit or like mad at your boss you're like putting your signature on the paper. You're like, whatever. But, and then sometimes like they have to fill in that box or something. So I, I kind of feel like they might be stretching to like find something like, well, what could she improve on? Well, I guess it could be this. At any rate, it can feel crappy to have that habit of focusing on your shortcomings versus focusing on how well you're doing. And here's the thing I want to say from the get-go as I answer this question is that and I will continue to remind you of this all the time. You might be like, yeah, Andrea, you tell us that all the time. I will continue to remind you of this because I feel like it needs to be reminded is that it's not a matter of learning a new tool or habit. So it's not a matter of learning how to focus on the positives and the things that you're doing well. And then you just start to do that all the time. It's the same thing with your self-talk. So if you have a habit of constantly having negative self-talk and then you learn, I mean, that's one of the things that I teach is to learn how to manage your negative self-talk. And that's why I specifically use that word manage. So it's not about completely changing and shifting your self-talk. It's about learning how to manage it. So what I mean by that is noticing that you're doing it and then just being in a neutral place, acknowledging that it's happening. That's the huge first step and then focusing on changing it. So it's the same thing with this. It's notice when in the moment, as best you can, when you are focusing on your shortcomings. So that may take you a while just to do that step. My hope for you and like the win is that instead of going down that rabbit hole of 
feeling crappy because you're focusing on your shortcomings is that the space in between you doing it and you noticing it gets shorter and shorter so that eventually you will notice fairly quickly. And by fairly quickly, I mean within like the first minute or first few minutes that you're doing it. And then just notice And like, I always like to say my favorite mantra, my favorite acknowledgement mantra is, well, that just happened. It does not carry a positive charge. I'm not trying to make it a positive affirmation and say something like, well, I am a really great human being. People like me. You know, it's like, you're not even doing that and you're not making it, you know, you're not, it doesn't have a negative charge. I ask people to not bully the bully. You don't have to, you know, tell your inner critic to piss off or anything like that. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Just have it be neutral. You are just noticing it. No positive charge, no negative charge. And so for this, I also have, you know, when you are ready, when you get good at noticing when you are sort of going down that path of focusing on your shortcomings. I have a list of things that you can do, and you can do these now if you want, to folk, to try to start to focus on how far you've come. I know a lot of you have been listening to the podcast for a long time, and I know I'm not the only podcast that you listen to, so you probably consume a lot of personal development. And in doing so, I guarantee that you've made improvements in your life. And also, especially if you have also participated in, you know, therapy or one-on-one coaching or a group program that actually gets you to focus and commit on a specific set of tools that you're learning or, um, you know, focusing on your goals or whatever it is that that particular group program is focusing on, then you have definitely made progress if you have committed to it and followed through. Absolutely, you have made progress. So what, I mean, the kind of most obvious thing to do is to make a list. And I forget what exercise, if this is in my Gremlin program or if it's in my book somewhere along the way, like I know that I've made some worksheet or somewhere along the way where I've asked people to do that. You can do this however it works for you. You can focus on like maybe, you know, it's January 2019 as this podcast episode comes out. You can focus on 2018. What are some of the things that you have specifically worked on? Maybe you worked specifically on, you know, maybe you were someone who participated in one of my programs and you learned the steps of shame resilience. And I know if you were in one of my programs, you know how Andrea works and I don't let you get away with like hiding and like, oh, maybe I just won't go. And maybe if I'm just quiet, Andrea won't notice. No, 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 no. You learn the steps and then you follow through and actually practicing them in your life. So maybe you did something like that where you learned something specific about negative self-talk or shame resilience or whatever other goal it was that you had for 2018. Maybe it was boundaries or something like that. And you practiced it in your life. Maybe it didn't go perfectly, but it's all an experiment and you learn a lot along the way as you're also messing up as well. But that might be something that you focus on. Like what happened in 2018? I also want to mention this side note. When you're focusing on something like that, when you're looking at maybe the past month or the past year, past handful of years, even the things that are really hard. I wrote about AFGOs in my first book, AFGO, Another Fucking Growth Opportunity. So these are the things that happened in your life that more or less 
kicked your ass. Maybe it kicked the emotional shit out of you or just wore you out to no end, you know, took you to the, your, your edges, really, really tough time. Those are called AFCOs and those can be the most, the biggest learning experiences for you. I know personally, my biggest growth has been either when I'm in an AFCO or when I am pushed to my limits. So maybe it's not necessarily something really difficult or challenging that has happened, but maybe I have hired a coach that's really pushing me out of my comfort zone. And I've told this person, like, here are my goals. You know, there's that saying in personal development, in order to get the things that you've never had before, you have to be willing to do things that you've never done before. So maybe it was something like that where you've really been called and pushed and held accountable to do things that you've never done before. And it's been really difficult, but those are the times where you grow the most, even when in doing so it was difficult, but those are the times that you grow the most. And don't dismiss those. Don't dismiss those times where it might not have been tangible things, like where you went out and asked for a raise and got it or moved to a new city that had more opportunities for you. It might be something where you were called to focus on your intuition and listen to it. You were called to really lean into feeling your emotions instead of numbing them or something like that. Okay. So I went on a little side tangent there. So make a list is my first piece of advice there. The other one is to look at old journals. You know, there's, there's a debate out there in the personal development world of, should I keep my old journals or should I throw them away or or burn them and have a burning ceremony? I say you do whatever you want to do. Personally, I keep them. I am not a sentimental person. I don't keep a lot of things except for my entire series of Sweet Valley High and Babysitter's Club's books. Did keep those and my Barbies. And I keep my old journals, partly because every time I have looked back, I have been astounded at how far I've come. And some of it's hilarious because it's when I was a teenager and when I was a little kid and the things that I cared about and that mattered the most to me, it's it's adorable. But I mean... If you can look back at some of what you have faced, and even for me, I look back at my thought process and the shit I used to put up with blows my motherfucking mind. And I was like, damn girl, what? And I don't beat myself up over it. It just is really interesting that that was me. I have compassion for my former self. And most importantly, I can look back and think, I will never do that again. I have not done that since. I listen to my intuition now and don't put up with that. Like I figure that out right when it happens. And so old journals can be really helpful as well as old calendars. I found a calendar, like a paper calendar that I had from, I think it was around 2005 or something. And it was just looking at all the things that I did. You know, I used to nanny for this little girl and And, you know, seeing all of that in my schedule and thinking about where I was at that time and who I was and what kind of choices I was making. And it can kind of jog your memory as to where you used to be and what your thoughts and beliefs and behaviors were. So that can be helpful as well. You also might want to ask your friends and loved ones and 
please only do this with people that you trust who aren't going to make fun of you or be like, I don't know. But the people who truly care about you and your well-being, ask them, what are the what are the improvements that you have seen me make in my life? And you can even say like, I have some that I can tell you about your life, some things that I've witnessed in you that I think have been really beautiful. If you want me to share that, I'm sure nobody's going to be like, no, I don't, I don't want you to tell me how great I am. <laughs> But you can have that reciprocal conversation and ask them, where have you seen improvements in life? Where have you seen me struggle and seen me come out of it a better person on the other end? So asking your friends and loved ones. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters and What do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co., and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. And if you have ever attended workshops or retreats or, you know, been in online group programs or worked with a therapist or coach and kept your notes from that, a lot of times they have like a workbook or worksheets that you've used. If you have kept those, pull those out and look and see. And sometimes that's helpful too, for you to be reminded of the work that you did so you can implement it in your life if it has sort of gone by the wayside. The last thing I have for you, a tip on on how to focus on how far far you've come in your personal development journey uh, before I get into the actual episode is to look at self-help books that you've read. If you are an underliner or a highlighter or a dog earer, that can also be really helpful. I love going back to old self-help books that I've read, especially like 10 or more years ago, my favorites, and looked at what I highlighted. I for me, I will highlight and then I put stars next to the stuff that's really stand out for me. So I especially love to look at that and just be reminded of like, wow, at that time, that really jumped out at me, that particular behavior that that self-help author called out. And if you read my book, How to Stop Feeling Like Shit, it's been a year since that came out. Maybe you read it and highlighted it, or if you listen to it on audiobook, I know there's a way to do that as well, to bookmark certain sections. Go back and look and see maybe what the particular behaviors were that really stood out to you. How much work have you done in that? And maybe it's a reminder, like, I don't want to use you to use that to beat yourself up and say to yourself, like, I've made absolutely no progress in that. Maybe that's an invitation 
for you to work on it now. Maybe you weren't ready at that time. Maybe you didn't have enough time, space, and energy in your life to really focus on it. And maybe the time is now. So Erica, I hope that was helpful for you. Thank you so much for asking the question. And again, y'all, if you want to support the show and get your questions answered, head on over to patreon.com slash YKAL. And that link will also be in the show notes. All right, y'all, I am about to jump into this particular episode, which I'm really excited about. It came to me in a moment of inspiration recently. And I first, before I do that, I want to tell you about the Mentorship Masterclass, which I'm currently accepting applications. I love, I had someone reply to an application. She had, she filled out an application and I replied right away and was like, oh my God, everything you said in your application is exactly the work that I do. And she was like, oh my God, I'm totally fangirling. I didn't expect you to answer. And I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. These applications come straight to me because I gobble it up like a feast. I, first of all, I'm so honored that people would A, apply to this program, which is the heart and soul of the work I do, and also be so vulnerable to tell me your story. I I consider it an absolute honor to read your applications. But at any rate, the Mentorship Masterclass is my signature program. This is its fourth iteration. I have changed the logistics a little bit for this one, mostly to include a workshop retreat here at my house in North Carolina, where you can come and hang out with me and your fellow participants and my dog. I know a lot of you know her from my Instagram stories. And that's, I mean, I'm truly excited about there's something really beautiful about the in-person experience. It is a bonus. And so if you can't make that, it's May 17th and 18th, I think. If you can't make that, you can still, the rest of the program is completely online. And it's over at yourkickasslife.com slash mentorship. Again, this is my deepest, most transformational work. I keep this group very small on purpose so you can have plenty of interaction, not only with the other participants in the group, but with me. It includes a private session with me and some other bonuses that you can read about on that page. But this is the work of shame resilience. This is the work of boundaries and hard conversations. This is the work of Everything that you read about in How to Stop Feeling Like Shit, the perfectionism, the people-pleasing, the numbing out, the isolating, the overachieving and imposter complex, that is all part of the curriculum. And really, the takeaway is that you learn the steps of shame resilience and how to actually implement that in your life. I don't ever want to teach people like temporary band-aids or tools that will just work during the time that you that we work together like that are that it's required that I tag along with you in order for to you to use it in your life. No, 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 no. I want to teach you tools that we can do together and practice while we were in the group together and then you can use them and feel confident enough to use them and clear, super clear about what exactly the steps are to take that in your life and use it far beyond when we're done. And I got so excited. I spit a little bit on my mic right there, which you can't see, but it was kind of hilarious. That's 
how passionate I am about this work. So head on over to yourkickasslife.com slash mentorship. The application and all of the information is on that page. If it's a great fit, you and I will hop on the phone together. I can answer all your questions and hopefully I will get to see you in May and long before that on our video group calls together. All right. I am so pumped about this topic. And it came to me, like I mentioned, in a moment of inspiration when I was listening to the podcast that was mentioned a couple weeks ago here. Um, my friend Thais Sky mentioned it. And then I think in an intro a week or two before that said, okay, I listened to the podcast episodes and you have to go and listen to this because it's so good. The podcast is called Scene on Radio, S-C-E-N-E. And it was an episode 10 in season three, that particular season was called Men and it's involved. I won't get into like all of the different episodes, but oh my God, there's, there's, it's so good, you guys. Okay. So this particular episode was done by, it was a different man than, than the regular host, but it was a man telling a story about his son going to sixth grade, going into middle school and the changes that took place. So I'll let you listen to it. So I won't get too far into it. And again, it's really good. I highly encourage you to go listen to both season two and three. I have not listened to season one yet, so I can't vouch for it, but season two and three are excellent. And there was a particular part where a psychologist named Terrence Real, he also goes by Terry Real, was talking. And there's a quote that I want to read you that when he said it, it stopped me in my tracks and I had to pause the podcast and cry. Has that ever happened to you? Where something someone says hits you so hard where it just, I mean, it more or less takes you down. So to kind of set up the quote, he talks about how children are made to have themselves uh, and, and half, I mean, H-A-L-F, which the host jokes when when um, the psychologist is talking about it. He's like, that's really difficult for, for radio. But he's talking about half, H-A-L-F. And essentially, it means to cut off certain parts of themselves. And generally speaking, for boys, it's emotions. And he talks about a certain age when, and I quote, the patriarchy hits kids, lands on them, the psychic results can be severe. And he goes on to say, and here's here's the quote that really kind of took me down for a moment. He says, now, if you read the literature on girls and girls' development, that trauma, and I use that word on purpose, is traumatic to excise, to cut off half of your humanity. That trauma lands on girls about age 11, 12, 13, around the edge of adolescence. That's when they learn what Carol Gilligan calls the tyranny of the nice and kind. They learn to overaccommodate and resent it. That's the traditional setup. 50 years of the women's movement has changed that for a lot of girls and women, but it's still part of the culture. And I think the part, and I even played it back for my husband because I was like, here's what I need you to hear. When he says the tyranny of the nice and kind, they learn to overaccommodate and resent it. That's the traditional setup. And 
that's what I was like, holy shit, that's pretty much sums up my life and I'm sure the life of so many of you. And it wasn't something I was unaware of, but I feel like sometimes when people, you know, whether it's psychologists or whomever, put it in words that are different than how you can explain it, that's when it sort of just knocks you over. And that's the way I felt about that particular passage from him, from from Terry Real. And it really got me thinking about us as women and femmes and what we are brought up to be, who we are brought up to be. And, you know, maybe it's hits me a little bit harder because my daughter is nine and I'm watching it just start to happen with her and her friends. You know, they're still, they're in third grade. So they're still at that age for the most part where they are their true selves and they express themselves with their inherent ways of being. And if you've ever spent some time with children, especially younger children, like it's a really beautiful thing to watch just how true to themselves they are. And of course it can be really annoying at times and inappropriate and it needs to be disciplined at certain times. But for the most part, the freedom that they inhabit is just a beautiful thing to watch. So in essence, as we enter puberty, and please keep in mind, you know, of course I'm I'm generally speaking here when I say we, but in essence, as we enter puberty, and and by the way, side note, he goes on in this episode to talk about how it hits even younger for boys. But we learn how to be. We learn to be nice and kind and friendly and accommodating. We learn to put other people's feelings, wants, and needs before our own. And I know this topic is sort of loaded. Not that I never talk about loaded things over here. But I think for me personally, and in talking to a lot of women lately, I feel this is common, what's going on now as culturally we are talking about these things more and a lot of big things are happening where people are sort of waking up to what's happening culturally. And a lot of people are confused. A lot of people are going through some shit, right? And for me personally, 2018 was a really big year of healing and it continues to do that. It's not that, you know, once it was January 1st, 2019, I was, ta-da, I was healed, but it was a lot of uncovering things. And, and I've, I've shared here on the podcast before that I have been no stranger to anger <laughs> and rage. And for me, it was a very confusing feeling and emotion, A, because I didn't really grow up in a house where that was something that we expressed. I mean, pretty much feelings in general, but also I didn't know where it was coming from. And I, I immediately blamed it on people and my situation and, and things like that. And at the time, you know, in my former life and my former relationship and marriage, it was very easy to point the finger at him and not to say that he didn't do some shitty things. He absolutely did. But it was, a you know, what I'm realizing now was that my anger was about that. What I just talked about is, is when I did hit puberty and those teenage years in learning 
what my quote unquote place was as a woman and how I was supposed to act and how I was definitely not supposed to act. Those type of things made me enraged and feeling like I couldn't be the way I truly was born to be. And not only that, but when I felt angry and distressed about it, that that was wrong too. And it was kind of more or less like stuck between a rock and a hard place, the confusion and and not knowing. And so 2018 was a lot of coming to terms with that and the realization of, okay, that's what that was. And a lot of grief as well, a lot of grief. And um, I think actually that probably started right after my dad died in, in October of 2016. And swimming my way through that and going through the weeds and practicing all of the tools that I have and that I teach all of you and in my group programs. And, and it was, it was a real deep dive. It was a real deep dive. And I do feel like I'm kind of coming out the other end and it's just, it's so much self-awareness and it's so much of doing the work. And so side note, what that looks like is journaling. And, and because I'm extroverted, I, process things out loud, which I know is not the case for many of you, but I learn things about myself by talking about them. So that's either with my therapist or my husband or or my best friend, Amy, or the other really good friends that I have. And it is extremely helpful. And I encourage you to do all of that. And if you struggle with that, the mentorship is for you. Just saying it'll change your life. I'm not lying. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not gonna tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Really, it's about getting curious. And that's what I want for you. 
whether this has been something that's weighing heavy on your mind with me, or if it's something you're just kind of realizing as I'm saying these words, wherever you are on that spectrum, I would love for you to explore this some more. And so what I have done is I've created a worksheet for you. I'm a big fan of curiosity and curiosity can pretty much always, I mean, I think I can say that with confidence, curiosity, if you are open enough to it, can bring clarity. Even if that clarity is what are the next steps I need to inquire on within myself? What are the next steps? What are the next things I need to talk about and explore with my therapist or my coach or or maybe another self-help book or something like that? So if you go to yourkickasslife.com slash 266, and, or if you just go to episode details in iTunes, I don't know how to get there from any other app. Sorry. But if you go to episode details in iTunes and scroll down, there is a yellow button that says download the worksheet and you can get the worksheet. And this is all handy dandy printed out for you to do your own work, whether you write it out on that worksheet or, or get your own journal. But I'm going to kind of whip through some questions here that I think will help you in your curiosity to get more clear about this. So the first question is this, let's start from the beginning. What was modeled for you growing up? In other words, were the rules, I'm using quotes here, were the rules that were, were they specifically said, for instance, don't cause a fuss, keep still, that's not ladylike, we don't do that in this house, or maybe it was um, a religious organization that you were a part of where it was very much like there were rules for women, or perhaps they weren't explicitly said, but they were implied. So that might've looked like the way your parents or other caregivers talked about other women or how women should be, or maybe in your family, it was a very traditional roles that your your mom stayed home and left her career behind and took care of everyone and you know maybe your dad didn't help out a whole lot or you know like where where you just learned at an early age the way things were for men and the way things were for women so sometimes just starting out there with what is your story you know i think this can be really helpful in so many topics like around money and relationships but specifically in terms of roles for women or how women should be, what was modeled for you? And what was the early messaging that you received around that? The next question is, were you ever shamed or chastised for being loud, aggressive, or maybe bossy? And so like, you know, these are the kind of virtues that weren't in the category of feminine or girly? Was that ever a thing? I know it was for me. And I remember fairly early on knowing what was, what was okay and what was not okay. So again, so it's a, you know, were you ever outright shamed or chastised? And it might not, it might've even been subtle things where a parent sort of like gave you a look or, (laughs) you know, that, I mean, I don't know if you've ever met my mom, but my mom could give a look that would murder someone. And I learned that very early on as far as like what was okay and was not okay. In general, I think, I think one of the most important, well, they're all important, but really what would make me really curious for, for all of you to really dig into is 
in general, do you remember losing your wildness? And that's really sort of the word that came up for me when I was listening to that psychologist on that podcast. And I don't think it was a word that was ever used in there, but that's what just was like flashing in my brain as he was talking about that. And I thought to myself, we learned to lose our wildness. We learned to cut off that part of us. And that's the part that is just so incredibly heartbreaking because our wildness is what makes us feel so incredibly alive and authentic and just ourselves, like our true selves. And wildness doesn't have to be you know, I'm not necessarily talking about being out of control or uncivilized. I'm talking about your inherent passion, you free to be however it comes naturally for you. It's you without rules or expectations of how a woman should be. Like imagine a life or a planet or a country even that that wasn't a thing. Can you imagine if we were all born into a society that there were no categories of masculine and feminine or, you know, and it just is like, holy shit, like how would you be different? I think for many women, that can be a really difficult question to answer because we don't know any other way. It's so ingrained in us and probably as far back as we can remember, this is just the way it has always been. Like we've swam in it our whole goddamn life. So it can be difficult to imagine a life where that's just not the case, where you are free to be your wild self and just inherently who you are. And maybe maybe it's something that you can't pinpoint and remember losing your wildness. And maybe you didn't realize it at the time, but something you can look back on now as an adult and remember. Do you remember it being around the time you went through puberty? Do you, was it in high school? Was it in college? Was it younger than puberty? Is it something, something like that? I'm, and maybe Maybe it's watching your own children grow up or your nieces and nephews and watching them start to change. Maybe that can bring up some things for you in your life. So the next question is when you think of your wildness, whose opinions or judgments are you the most afraid of and why? Whose opinions and expectations are you the most afraid of and why? It might be everyone. It might be just the culture at large. It might be specific people at work. It might be your parents. It might be your siblings, your partner. And the next question is, are these fears valid? And for some of you, they might be. It might be a matter of, I think another thing that I I walked away from, from that particular podcast series, and I, I don't know if it was in that episode or not, but they were talking about the way that women that we are conditioned to be. And this is another thing that hit me really hard too, that it's not just a matter of, well, these are, these are the way things are and we don't question them, but it's also, you know, us being a certain way is important to our survival. And once I heard that, I was like, oh, God damn it. Yeah. 
I, I resonate with that. I don't know if you do too, but it's like, oh shit. Like, yeah, we need to be a certain way so that we can attract a partner. And I, I don't, again, I don't know the science behind it. I don't know if it's this biological thing that we have, you know, like peacocks, like show their feathers and in order to attract a mate. But I think culturally that's how it's been created for us. Like we have to be a certain way in order to survive, in order to not get murdered as well as thrive. And I think like, that's the part where that's the part that pisses me off. I mean, I don't know if it does for anybody else, but that's the part that pisses me off. But that's my question. When you think of your wildness, whose opinions or judgments are you the most afraid of? Why? And are these fears valid? What I'm asking you to do is just to dig deeper in that. Some of you may answer that question as no, these, those fears are completely unnecessary and not valid. And for some of you, you might answer, yes, they are, they are valid. And, and why? So again, this isn't about coming to like hard and fast conclusions about your life and where to go next. What I want for you is to get curious and dig deeper about this topic. Two more questions for you to ask yourself. And again, you can download the worksheet and get all of these handy dandy. What would need to happen to get some of your wildness back? What would you need to let go of? This is like, you know, a multi-part question. What would need to happen to get some of your wildness back? What would you need to let go of? Whose opinions and expectations would you need to walk away from? And that is not easy, my friends, at all. When you've lived your entire life, I work with people who come to me in their 40s, 50s, and beyond and younger too, but you know, I'm thinking of a handful of clients who have been in their 40s, 50s, and they have lived their entire life sort of doing this song and dance hustle uh, based on, you know, they've based their behaviors, thoughts, feelings, everything around the opinions and expectations of others. And to walk away from that feels like, I mean, there's a line in, in my poem, Resignation, where I say, it feels like wiping off my skin that's the way it can feel. We have made this our whole life many times. So how do we do that? And it's not simple and it's multi-layered. and I feel you sister, if that's a big deal for you. The last question is, how would you start the journey of calling your wildness back to you? And really, you know, when I think of the work that I do, that's what that is about because it's foundational. It's around values, it's around shame resilience, it's around, looking at the behaviors that you do that are no longer serving you anymore and choosing different ones that are more in alignment with the woman that you want to be. But for you, how could you start the journey of calling your wildness back to you? Okay. I desperately need a drink of water. And <laughs> this, has, this has taken a lot out of me because I feel so strongly about this and it's probably something you're going to hear more of. And if you've been with me from the beginning since 2010, you know that I have taken you on a journey with me along my own personal development journey. And I'm always, I always strive to be transparent with you about what I'm going through and in, in hope that it's helpful for you too. I never, ever want to be that person who acts like a guru and an expert. Like I know everything. I never have hard things come up for me anymore. You just need to do what I say and do what I do. And no, 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 no. I want, my hope for you, by the way, as I'm talking about this, my hope always for you is that you know, even if you have a hard time believing it sometimes, but you know inherently that you are the expert in your own life. You have the capability to be your own hero. There's a line in one of my favorite movies, 
whip it because I love roller derby. And the main character, Bliss, she says, you know, she's telling the derby girls, you guys are like my heroes. And Kristen Wiig's character says, put on some skates and be your own hero. And oh my God, that line. It's like, yes, girl, be your own hero. And that's what I want for all of you is to start to trust yourself and know what your values are and what they look like and find the path to be your own hero, to be the own expert in your life because you are. And my hope also is that you find some of your wildness and call on her and that she shows up for you wherever she has been buried, wherever she was let go of in your life. All right. All right. Thank you so much for joining me today. This went off in directions that I didn't, didn't anticipate, but that's what I love the most, just sort of riffing over here without a script or anything like that. And I would love, love, love to get to chat with you if you feel like the mentorship is for you. I would love to see your application and hopefully have a conversation with you, yourkickasslife.com slash mentorship. And until next time, ass kickers, I will see you all out in cyberspace. Bye-bye. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.